My name is Teresa Young, and you're listening to the Root and STEM podcast, a podcast exploring issues and stories in STEAM education. On this episode of the Root and STEM podcast, we explore Canada and Indigenous culture through art. Hi, my name is Teresa Young, and I'm an artist that started drawing and painting when I was a child and uh, quickly progressed because I had a natural gift in this area. And I had an extremely large curiosity, so I wanted to learn everything all at once. And I focused on art very strongly to the point where I was actually painting in oils when I was eight years old and doing full portraits, uh, selling them at 11. And I started doing portraits in malls when I was 14 after I had uh, taken some portraiture lessons. It's always interesting to do art because... You can look around you and you can see so many things that are beautiful and exciting to get into a design and onto a piece of paper or canvas just to enjoy later or to enjoy it as you're doing it. There's many reasons for art. We all like art because it can make us feel things more deeply and uh, experience the joy of life more strongly. My art is basically uh, uh, generated internally. I'm more feeling and looking inward than looking outward. I started as a representational artist. You can see because there's a lot of figurative stuff in my work. I did portraits for 20 years in malls and uh, privately for people. And I worked my way through realism into surrealism and abstraction. So my art is more of an emotional landscape. I do do commissions and stuff like that. So I'll basically try to figure out the feeling we're going for on a commission piece and what type of design elements and and palette and color combinations uh, we'd like to bring in with it because I work collaboratively with clients on this. I like doing commissions because I think it challenges me and, and allows me to do pieces of art that I might not have gotten to on my own like the the requests are inspiration in themselves but i'm more flow of consciousness when i'm painting i paint a lot so that's where my inspiration comes from i think we want things to mean something and i think it's a natural human instinct if something affects you profoundly you want a meaning so that you understand it uh it's a way of getting closer to it so that it validates your experience. A lot of my artwork, sometimes I'm trying to say something, obviously, and it does have a meaning. Sometimes I'll find a meaning after, and it'll be more tied in to my own psyche. What I like my art to do is provide enjoyment, connections to emotions, connections to personal emotions. Somebody can take a piece of my art and find something I never saw in it. And I think that's great because then it's a more personal experience for the viewer and they could possibly get their own story out of it. They could create their story if it's not with abstraction. There's not always an obvious story in there. I'm Norwegian and Cree and Irish. Actually, it's really odd because I wasn't raised in an indigenous culture. My 
mother and her whole family moved away from southern Manitoba when she was a teenager. Things have been pretty tough in Canada for Indigenous peoples. And I think because they were lighter skinned, as many Métis are, they felt that it was much easier if they passed as white. So I didn't find out that I was from an Indigenous ancestry until after my art actually pointed it out. People kept saying to me when I was a teenager, oh my, your paintings are beautiful. Are are you sure you're not native though? Because they look very native to me. And I, and I mean, after you hear that about 20 times, you start thinking, why do they keep asking me this? I don't know. And I guess my style, my inherent style that I've created on my own, because I grew up painting in isolation from other artists, has a very native feel with the bold lines, uh, the vivid colors, and the organic feel. So I went and I researched my ancestry. At that point, I found out I was Métis. <laughs> so I did it backwards. <laughs> Back in 2018, I was contacted by uh, Mi'kmaq, which is out here in uh, Nova Scotia, professor at Dalhousie University. And they were interested in getting an Indigenous artist to teach their contemporary Indigenous art course while she was on sabbatical. And uh, I ended up getting hired because I do also have a university background and that made it so that they could hire me just for the semester. So while I was teaching the course, I was learning a lot about Indigenous uh, art and the Indigenous history in Canada. And literally, the Canadian government back in the 20th century, they started marketing. It was called Aboriginal art in those days. They literally started marketing it worldwide and turned it into a major source of revenue for the Canadian government. If you look closely at this, you will find that for many years, and still to this day, I'm sure, uh, Canada is identified with Inuit art and the West Coast uh, Haida art and the Eastern Woodlands art, which is the eastern part of Canada from Ontario over. And these three schools, essentially, styles of art, are very specific and recognized as Canadian. And that's where our major reputation is globally. We are indeed recognized for that. Now, unfortunately, the government wasn't paying Indigenous artists a lot. So they were making a lot of money on it, uh, which is sad to say a lot. Of, uh, it's all politics. A large part of this is why they wanted to keep this in their pocket, because they didn't want to lose that source of revenue, which has caused a lot of the strife with uh, Indigenous peoples trying to get, get their rights over the last 40 or 50 years. The uh, Truth and Reconciliation Board that, that report, that is a very big thing now. I have a painting that I did about that, about, I guess it's about a year old or something like that. And it's called Truth and Reconciliation and a Slippery Slope. And it's a triptych. And what I did was the painting on the left shows the justice building in Ottawa and uh, very unbalanced scales of justice, uh, 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 justice over that. This is all in an abstract, surreal format. Underneath it shows a lot of Haida-inspired designs holding and swirling around it. 
and uh, it's like a, a path on a diagonal swirling down through the three paintings, ending with a shaman on the bottom painting. And you see a lot of these Haida style ribbons and swirls surrounding the bottom of the composition. And there's a powwow in the middle and there's all these missing and murdered indigenous women hanging onto the edge of the path. So there's a lot of issues, very strong issues, speaking of paintings with a message, <laughs> that are all intertwined in this whole thing about Canada selling Inui and Haida art as a big business for the last 40 years or so that make it very large political issues. And it, make it makes it big issues with people that are Indigenous or come from an Indigenous ancestry because really you sh should try to find out about it because it affects everything else. It seems to affect how many Indigenous people are going in to uh, STEM for one thing because maybe it's not been encouraged enough. Maybe, you know, maybe there's a lot more behind this more than we understand. I, I've had to do a lot of reading to try to figure out what's going on. Things are happening pretty fast in Canada right now and really slow at the same time. Young people should really just try to learn as much as they can so that they understand what's happening in their world right now and how it affects them. Art is a great medium for communication and grabbing people's attention. So I think you can bring a lot of interest and growth into the idea of looking at STEM, STEM concepts, by using art to shine the spotlight, as it were, on STEM research. People seem to be able to relate to art generally much easier than they do to some scientific concepts. So I think using the art to communicate it can be quite a powerful medium. I think Indigenous art is evolving, just like any other type of art. And I think that it's also influenced by the environment around us. You have a lot of artists that actually paint in less of an Indigenous style and more of a settler style because they've gone and become traditionally educated in uh, settler art, but they choose indigenous subject matter so that they have their own way of marrying the two to a nice compromise so that, that, that it works for them. I think the indigenous idea of where people are the stewards of the earth is a very powerful thing that would work well for science. They're just finding now that there's a lot of practices that uh, historically indigenous peoples did that science has looked at and finally untangled and figured out, wow, this is a very powerful thing that was used for keeping the resources going over time so that man did not, say, fish out the salmon, stuff like that, fish out the fauna in their surrounding environment. There's a lot of things that Indigenous culture can contribute to science. I would suggest for a student that was interested in art, if they were really serious about art, is to take some sort of art training. Actually, I'm going to say something really horrible now. Go into computer art. 
that's where it's going. I do a lot of digital stuff. There is a lot to learn there. If you can become proficient in that and talk about wedding STEM to art, digital art is where it is. And there's so much you can do. And that is where the money is in art. If you want to make a living at it, that's where you need to go. For more knowledge and stories from STEAM and professionals, check out the Root and STEM magazine at pingua.com or more episodes of the Root and STEM podcast available to download on your streaming platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google.